welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and professional speaker, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author 2.0 blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double N. And here's the show. Hi everyone, I'm Joanna Penn from thecreativepen.com. It is the 14th of January 2014 and the first podcast of the year, so Happy New Year and it is episode 174. So today I have an interview with children's book author Karen Inglis who is truly a fount of knowledge and a force to be reckoned with. It was It's a great interview, um, Karen just packs it full of really useful information and even if you don't write children's fiction I think you'll learn a lot about entrepreneurship processes um, as well as tenacity. Uh, I certainly am impressed with the way Karen runs her business. So uh, I'm back into positive creation mode. I much prefer the new year. I'm, I'm pretty shocking around Christmas uh, and a friend of mine the other day said to me, just so you know, you were just as annoyingly miserable last year. <laughs> And I actually think, you know, we all have seasonal shifts, we we have seasonal ups and downs, and for me, the end of the year is kind of bleh, and then the beginning of the year, I'm like, yay, it's time to go, I've got all these new things to do, and uh, anyway, I'm I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm, I love planning and uh, goal setting and all of those things, so the new year is brilliant for me, um, and I'm writing every day on Delirium, which is uh, very exciting, aiming to finish the first draft by mid-February I want to say um, and then get into the rewrites but uh, one of the things that I learned last year like I really understood finally because Stephen King says it in On Writing um, which is to rest a manuscript uh, when you're when you think you're done with it. <laughs> um, I actually had an enforced rest for uh, desecration because it was with my agent um, I don't have an agent uh, now, uh, we parted ways, but because she had that manuscript for six months, I was unable to self-publish it. And it enabled me to then do another rewrite um, when I was really, really separated from the book. And I think it made it a much better book. So um, I'm, I won't be resting for six months, <laughs> but I'll probably be resting for two months. Uh, so the aim will be to uh, do the second draft because my second draft is, you know, quite significant. Um, I I add a lot of extra layers in my second draft. Um, after the second draft, I will put that uh, manuscript away, and I will get into the first draft of the next Arcane book, um, which will be around Spain and Kabbalah and. Um, a great excuse to take a research trip uh, to Cordoba and Granada uh, where I have been before but uh, time to revisit with an author's eye so that's quite exciting but the aim will be to then finish that arcane first draft then to go back to delirium do another draft do the um, you know get the edits done etc and then publish so really make it uh, add in a couple of months of resting now I've always had a resting period but it's not been that long so um, that's one of the changes I'm going to make to my process and then what I'll then do is you know try and integrate that rest period for each novel. Uh, so that's cool, 
Um, I have just published in the last few days uh, public speaking for authors, creatives and other introverts, which I'm really pleased to get out there because I do a lot of public speaking, I am an introvert and I get so many emails from people saying how do you do speaking, I've been asked to speak, um, you know, because basically when you start writing books people ask you to speak and if you don't understand you know, some of the principles around speaking, some of the things like anxiety is normal, here's how to deal with it, um, then you can be very worried and it can be painful. So my aim with the book is to try and, you know, sort of share everything I've learned over the last five years of being a professional paid speaker. Um, so anyway, that's made it made it to number two on the bestseller list in the US for public speaking um, and also number three in business life in the UK next to Tim Ferriss for our work week which I was quite excited about getting a screen print of um, because that book is one of the books that I credit for my move into writing and um, location independence and all of that stuff so that's cool um, and that book is on Amazon and Kobo in ebook coming in print March 2014. So what else this year? I said I'd talk a bit about what my plans are. Um, one of the big things I'm very keen to talk about is more rights exploitation. And exploitation, I actually really like the word because I think it's very important for authors to be aware of the language that publishing uses about authors and rights exploitation is or exploiting rights is a publishing industry term um, with all the connotations that that word has so I'm very keen that we exploit our own rights as opposed to other people exploiting them <laughs> um, and by that I mean turning one book well one manuscript into many products so for example your ebook print book audiobook and then times that, multiply that by country and multiply that by language. So for example, Pentecost is in English, ebook, print book and audiobook. It's for sale in every country that Amazon and Kobo sell in and I'm currently making income from 30 countries worldwide, which is exciting. And then multiply that by language. So in 2014, I've got Pentecost coming out in German, Spanish and Italian, maybe French. Currently in discussions about that, exciting times. So if you haven't seen that, check the post on the blog. Um, the title of the blog post is It's Not Just One Book your rights and how to exploit them and it was posted on the 7th of January 2014. It's also in the brand new version of the Author 2.0 Blueprint because I'm so passionate about people realising what they can do with this. Now obviously one of the one of the amusing things that this means is I am actually, I am interested in working with, um, you know, I was talking to someone about it the other day, I'm interested in working with someone who's going to manage all of that for me and actually it turns out that that's kind of an agent's job um, or a sort of business manager's job um, so I'll be thinking about that in 2014 because there's quite a lot of management you know the more you start working with other people and I do joint venture deals for translation. Um, if you are a translator, by the way, just I'll just mention it again, um, I have a page on my site uh, at thecreativepen.com forward slash translators translators and um, you there I explain basically how how it works with me so have a look at that if you are a translator and you're interested or if you're an author looking to get translators in 
2014. Uh, I'm also getting books up pretty rapidly for public speaking this year, doing a number of my own workshops on book marketing. You can, if you're in London, um, you can find out more about that um, at thecreativepen.com forward slash speaking. You can come along to an event I'm speaking at or something. Um, so just so you know about that. I also wanted to just briefly touch on a couple of the indie kind of memes that are going around at the moment. Um, one has been this big article, uh, Russell Blake, on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, um, where he's basically, uh, he's published 25 books in 30 months. And I've read a couple of them and they're, they're you know, they're pretty good. Um, you know, fast paced thrillers, some of them, and he's got all kinds of different genres. He's sold over 400,000 copies and he's been picked to co-write with Clive Cussler which is awesome. Um, you know, Clive Cusser's sort of one of the uber names in the industry and certainly in the action adventure world. I like Clive Cussler, his dirt pit books, um, along with, uh, you know, definitely a, one of my influences for the Arcane series, certainly a sort of um, female Dirk Pitt, female Indiana Jones um, type of thing. Um, but uh, you know, obviously the media picks and chooses what they want to say and they didn't really make it very clear you know, well, they made it clear how hard Russell works, um, 10 hours a day writing on his walking desk, which is fantastic. Um, but I went over to his site and had a look into, you know, some of his other thoughts. And he really does uh, talk a lot of sense. Um, I, I certainly, I, I know that some people want to write fast writing off. I certainly very admire someone who can write that much and sell that many books because it means people want his writing, which is what we all want, right? But he does comment that uh, he will be writing fewer books from now on and focusing more on growing his core audience. Um, with the kind of feeling that the mass number of books plus BookBub plus free may well not be the way to do things anymore. And it's funny, everyone's coming back to the basics of being an author, I think, which is essentially focusing on delivering quality books to a growing fan base. Um, and Joe Comrath on his sort of predictions for 2014 says exactly the same thing. I'll read a bit. Um, the future will be about actively cultivating a readership. Um, I think that's not just the future, I think it's the present. Um, maintaining a fan base is going to become increasingly more important. This means having an up-to-date website, make it easy to sign up for your newsletter, staying active in social media and regenerating your brand with new titles and continued promotions. I'm definitely all in with that kind of advice. I don't think that's really new advice, um, but it seems that some of the big names who have been doing this a while are, you know, not giving up on some of the more gimmicky stuff, but certainly, um, oh, I don't mean gimmicky stuff. I mean, like BookBub, you know, is losing its um, impact. It's same as anything, all of these things, um, you know, box sets are currently really big, but again, will probably lose their impact um, the more people who get into it. So yeah, there, there's always the latest thing, but what doesn't change is, um, you know, continually growing a, a fan base who love you and fostering those relationships. Okay, 
Right, let's get into the interview with Karen. Um, but before we do, the podcast is now sponsored by Kobo Writing Life. Um, and I will be on the Kobo Writing Life podcast very soon, talking about all of my books uh, with Mark Lefebvre um, and Christine Munro. And here is a message from our sponsor. Hello, Creative Pen listeners. This is Mark Lefebvre, director of Kobo Writing Life. And I am very excited that we have Christine Monroe working with independent authors and independent bookstores in the U.S. And Christine is right here now to tell you a little bit about that. Christine, welcome. Thanks, Mark. I'm Christine, and I am coordinating events throughout the U.S. Most recently, I hosted an event at Housing Works Bookstore Cafe in New York City, where we had over 100 indie authors listen to an amazing panel from self-publishing experts. So head over to KoboWritingLife.com, where you can keep track of everything I'm up to, and hopefully I will see you at an event near you very soon. Hi everyone, I'm Joanna Penn from thecreativepen.com and today I'm here with Karen Inglis. Hi Karen. Hi Jo, how are you? I'm good. So just as an introduction, Karen is the author of books for children, including The Secret Lake and Eek the Runaway Alien, as well as Ferdinand Fox's Big Sleep, which is also now an iPad app. So that's fantastic Karen, but why don't you start by telling us a bit more about you and your background? Okay. Um, well, my background is actually in writing. For many, many years, over 20 years, I've been a professional copywriter, writing mostly for the financial services industry. Um, but always in the background, I've enjoyed uh, creative writing, or rather, since I was a student, I, I played around with creative writing. And, and then eventually that led into children's writing uh, after I had my children. Right, because I was going to ask you about that. You know, why choose children's books in particular? Well, in funny sort of way, I didn't choose them, they chose me. Um, I was one day coming out of the gym and I saw the most beautiful fox trotting along uh, in the lamplight in the November mist. And at the time I had two little children and of course I'd already been reading lots of children's books to them. Uh, or rather in fact George at that time was two and Nicholas was sort of a few months old. Um, and when I came home I could not stop thinking about this fox. And over the weeks, I started making up rhyming stories about him. And so, in fact, Ferdinand Fox was the first children's book that I wrote, or children's stories that I wrote. And that then led on to me um, coming up with other ideas, and The Secret Lake was born. And I had another magical moment with The Secret Lake, where I, we were visiting some friends who had children, and we went into their communal gardens in Notting Hill. And there was something about the atmosphere that struck me, and I just had a moment when I just thought... I wonder what would happen if the children in these gardens could meet the children who all lived here a hundred years ago. So again, it was sort of the books found me rather than me deciding, oh, I think I'm going to go and write a book. So, oh, no, that's lovely. That's a lovely story. And I, I mean, I find a lot of inspiration in, in the environment as well. So that's, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So um, just on the, on the self-publishing side, picture books... <laughs> seem to me to be the hardest thing to self-publish. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I went into it with eyes wide open, really. I knew it would be a big learning curve, and it was. But uh, mm. yes, they are. Mm. And I think there's... Um, there's a number of reasons for it. Obviously, the first the first reason that they're, they're hard is because you've got to you've got to get an illustrator and pay for an illustrator unless you're already an illustrator. So that's going to add to your costs to start with. Um, and secondly, the the actual um, the printing. Volume, 
that well, the, the, the key thing actually is that before anything else, actual volume sales of picture books are far lower than for general children's fiction. So um, typically, uh, they're about um, half. I was looking at some figures yesterday from Nielsen Scan, and uh, in the period, I think it was 37 weeks to September 2013, um, all children's fiction sales are double those of picture book sales. So that's just to give you an idea. Um, in the children's top ten fiction sales, um, I think it was David Williams, one of his Gangster Granny sold something like 164,000 copies, uh, and the equivalent in picture books, uh, Julia Donaldson's book sold 81,000. So it's first of all, you're talking with much lower volume sales generally, and if you are an unknown author, um, to be honest, a mid-list author, I think whether you're traditionally published or not, you're not, you know, you'd be very lucky to sell 500 copies of your book. And that's tops. Again, I was talking to somebody yesterday in the industry about this. And I get the feeling that, to be honest, you could be between tens and a hundred. So, you, you know, it's not, you don't expect to sell a lot of books. Um, I mean, I, with Ferdinand Fox, I've actually sold 175. So that's actually going quite well, I think. Yeah. Um, so volume sales is something to take into account, um, plus the cost. Mm. Um, but then on top of that, the biggest challenge that I found uh, is that if you want to use the risk-free approach that we self-publishers like, which is print-on-demand, um, you can't get the actual finish that most children's picture books come in, which is the silk page finish. Okay. Now... Um, so, which therefore means if you want to put it into bookshops, you're into a bit of problem because your book's going to stand up because it doesn't look like the others. Okay, um, you can do it print on demand, and actually the quality is very good. So, in fact, I through both Create Space and Lightning Source, I've got I, I have created Fernand Fox's Big Sleep, and actually the colours are great, the pages are fine, but they don't have that silk end. But on top of that. Uh, your royalties are about half the royalties you would get on your standard children's fiction. I was sort of comparing figures yesterday just for interest, and they are about half. So I will make about 60p on a 6.99, oh, sorry, it's £5.99 I retail in the UK, and I will make 60p if I sell um, using uh, uh, print-on-demand uh, through Amazon or, or whatever. That's about half what I make on my other books, or, or less than half. Uh, and they are at a lower retail price. Um, so so that's another big problem. Yeah, so uh, it sounds, I mean, for, for people listening who might be considering this uh, as a money-making scheme, um, therefore, is children's uh, books more of a labour of love? I say labour of love. Now, ironically, where you can make a decent return uh, is by selling direct into schools, which is what I do a lot. Um, and, and what I did was I decided, because, because I'm how I am, I definitely wanted to have the um, silk finish. So I went around and researched short digital print runs. Um, and the cost per unit is very high. Uh, I didn't, again, you get into this awful sort of catch-22 situation, which is that you can get 
low unit costs. But in order to do that, you'd have to use the offset print met method and order in about 2,000 books. And then you can get your unit price down to about uh, one pound something. The trouble is, as I said at the beginning, the volume sales of children's books are just notoriously low. So why would you be wanting to order in that number of books, if you follow me? Um, so I did this rather strange thing of finding through digital printing that I could order 100 at a time at a very high unit cost. And, I, and by ordering a few more, having sold the first lot, my unit cost is around about £3.35 a book. And my strategy now is actually I will just take those into schools where I will sell them at either 5 99 or 6 99 And then I can actually make a decent return on, on it. So then you might say, well, hang on, all your time going into schools. And again, that's absolutely right. For me, it's a long-term thing. I have two other children's books, The Secret Lake and Eek, which span different age groups as it happens. So my last few school visits I've done, I've actually taken all three books in and, and presented to the whole school, if you like. And so actually the economies of my time start to make more sense. That all said, would I do another print book uh, in colour using this method? The answer is I'm not sure that I would just because it, it is such, you, you do have to order up front and it's a risk and you have stock. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it, you, know, it's, it, you know, it's something for me to consider uh, mm. next time around. Yeah, and um, I should tell everyone, because you're sharing some amazing stuff, your, your blog, um, it's KarenInglis.com, right? Is, uh, yes, is, yeah. or, or selfpublishingadventures.com, you can yeah, find as, that way as well, yeah. You've shared some amazing stuff there, so I'm going to link to it in the show notes, but everything you're talking about, you've basically shared on your blog, so I'm just going to advise people to go there and check that out. But yes, then, yeah. let's, let's get into more detail. Now, I'm going to come back to the selling in schools. Um, yeah. Let's just talk about um, planning a picture book, so taking you right back to the beginning, because you, you, you mentioned storyboarding and word count and all of this. So how do people plan a picture book if they want to do this? Right. Well, first of all, you need to know that you've got an engaging story. I won't go into any detail on that. That's down to writing. But if you look on my website, you will find some links to some very good, very good articles on planning a story if you need that. Okay. So, so first you have to do that. Then in terms of word count for children's picture books, the most the typical children's picture book is 32 pages long. Sorry, length, 32 pages long. Some are 24 most 32 and the word count typically is 500 to a thousand but can be actually anywhere from between zero to a thousand uh, so it's just what you're you know what what's right for your story um, so you need to when you're starting just be aware of that uh, word count page count next thing and I made a mistake on this um, is that the page count uh, uh, that page count does not include the back and front cover. And so when I started my planning, I got that all wrong. Um, so, so it doesn't include it, but it does include the end pages, by which I mean the title page uh, and any dedications you want to make. So make sure when you're planning that out that, that you, you take that into account. If you're a few pages short, or rather if you have a few pages left over, that doesn't matter because you can put lovely um, designs and, and uh, illustrations on those. If you pick up any library, go to the library and look through children's picture books, you'll see a lot of the, the end pages have, have designs on them. And that's what I did with Ferdinand Fox. I've got ice creams and hamburgers and sausages flying around in clouds, I think, uh, where I had some extra space. Um, so so that's your um, your... That, that's the next step. But 
So knowing those figures is, is very important. And then the next thing is to create a storyboard, um, which is it's one piece of paper where you literally have squares. And if you go to my website, you'll find that you can download a blank one. You can also download uh, an example of the one I did for Ferdinand Fox, so you can see clearly how I did it. And then what you do on this one piece of paper, and it's literally, mine was A4, you might, A3 you might find simpler, is you do all your little squares, which are basically your interior pages, and then you work out with your story where the text and where the pictures are going to go across that spread and what's fantastic about it is it gives you a bird's eye view of how your story is going to flow how the balance of the picture and the text is going to work um, and it enables you to to sort out any problems before you go into detail um, the mistake I made originally was I got all very excited and I thought well, I've got my story and I've got my illustration ideas and I did a mock-up I got an A4 pages and I stapled them and I goodness knows what and then I realized as I was doing it I, I had thought over right I'll have my text it's because mine's a rhyming story it's, it, it's 470 words or, or thereabouts of rhyming text each in four lines per page and I just thought there'll be text on the left pictures on the right but actually, I realized when I mocked it up, spent ages doing this, well, this isn't going to work because that's boring there and it needs another bit of a picture and I need to move the text. And had I used the storyboard, you could see that you know, in a bird's eye view uh, and sort that all out uh, very quickly. And then it's only when you think you're really happy with it, you can then mock it up. Uh, mm. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I think that's really good, and actually yeah. make, making one is very, you know, it's a very practical thing to do, and it and it actually works. So let's talk about um, in Illustrator because um, you know how do you find how do people find a, a good illustrator to work with, and how do they work with them? Okay, well, first of all, um, there are several, um, I mean, I actually found, my, I'll, I'll tell you about how I found mine in a moment, but there are a, a number of what you just have to, if you just put into Google, um, children's illustrators, you'll probably come up with loads of sites. There is one site which I think is up, um, has changed recently, I was looking at it yesterday, and it's called, I'm just going to check, double check what this right, yeah, childrensillustrators.com, and I, I used them, I think, in their early days when I was trying to find an illustrator for Ferdinand Fox, and what's fantastic, you can go on, and they've got all the illustrators and you can look through their portfolios. I think these are these are based in the UK, I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, 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 sorry. I think it lets you put in country and everything. Uh, and so you can look at their styles and then get in contact with them. So that's one. Um, other things you can do is on LinkedIn. I don't use LinkedIn hugely, but what it's very good for is, is their groups. And so I'm in members of children's illustrators groups, writers, and so on. And that way you find people saying, I'm a children's illustrator, I'm looking for work. So, so that's another idea. Um, the Society of Authors, I think, and the Society of Children's Book Writers, they, they, they also have links into illustrators. But actually, I found my illustrator accidentally um, on elance.com. I don't know if you've used yeah, Elance. Yeah. Um, uh, and in fact, I found him because I was trying to, I actually did the illustration for Eek myself and I needed someone to, to finish it off for me in Photoshop and that's how I found him. But I swear, one alien is enough for me to draw. That's what I'm getting uh, and then when I looked at his portfolio, I said, oh, you know, would you be interested in doing more? So he did the cover for The Secret Lake. He did all the interiors for both Eek, which has black and white uh, illustrations throughout. And he did all the Ferdinand Fox for me. And he's now doing on my neck. I've got another children's book coming out. and I'm working with him on that. Oh, and he did all the 
all the app stuff for me as well. Oh, so okay. your question was, sorry, I thought I kept carried on talking. It was, yes, how do you find? So there's, there's lots of different ways. Mm. And, um, then, and then what are your recommendations for working with an illustrator? As in, you know, how much help do you give them? How much free reign? You know, how many iterations? Right. That, I think, is going to purely come down to how you work and how your illustrator works. And in my case, it's probably not very typical. Um, although, this said, I've now met a couple of children's authors at, at events who said, oh, actually, I'd do the same. Um, first of all, bizarrely, my illustrator actually lives in Bosnia. Um, we've never met, and you're going to laugh at this now. I told you I don't use Skype very often. We've never even Skyped. <laughs> We've done everything over the internet. Uh, this is since 2011. We, we will speak on Skype one of these days. And so, so, first of all, we exchange all the documents over Elance. It's incredibly easy to use. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, secondly, I'm quite a, I'm probably a bit of a control freak, and I do like, I have a very clear picture in my head of what pictures I want, where, roughly what they're going to look like. So what I did right from the beginning, even with the Secret Lake, um, I sent him photographs of, of the pond that inspired the lake, and I said, look, this is the scene I want on the front cover. I sort of imagined the two children standing there. I sent him sort of photos of kids wearing clothing. I imagine they'd probably be wearing something a bit like this. So I'm very, very specific. Um, or I'll do little stick man drawings and take photos of them and then upload them to YouTube and to, uh, to Elance and sort of say, well, I think that's what it'll look like. But actually that really suits him well because um, English isn't his first language as well. I think, you know, if I send him, it, it, there could be lots of misinterpretation of what I want or if he to ask him to actually read my books is a very big ask um, I know he's very busy with lots of other stuff anyway so actually it suits both of us mm. um, now I think that's not necessarily very typical you'll get other um, illustrators who want to just read the book and then do their own thing um, you've also got um, that said coming back to what I said to you earlier I've met a couple of people now at trade fairs um, uh, other children's authors and both like me actually do brief very specifically so it might be more common than I, I think um, and like me uh, they have bought the rights if you like to the illustrations because there's different ways of working with illustrators you can actually try and work in partnership with them that said, I've seen uh, conversations on LinkedIn about, yes, well, that's all very well to say, you know, let's share 50-50 if it all goes, if it all works. The problem for the illustrator is there's usually a lot more work for them involved than the author with a picture book. And so it's a much bigger risk for them. I mean, as it is with my illustrator, I pay him, I own the work, it suits him, it suits me, and, and you know, that's that. Okay, so you've got the illustrations. Does he actually do the mock-up of the print-ready PDF or do you also have a book designer as well? Right, okay, so we're talking now, we're talking about picture book or we're yeah. talking about the Eek with the black and white illustrations? Well, either, either one. Okay, well there's two slightly different things. With Eek, that, which was my fiction book, which has black and white illustrations throughout, I... I, as it was the secret late, used CreateSpace templates, uh, Word templates to flow everything in. I then um, placed the images uh, into the into that. And but what I did do was I then sent. I have a guy in Texas called Doug. Uh, his company is called Lighthouse Twenty Four, and he's absolutely brilliant. Very reasonably priced. 
Um, very technical man, but brilliant at writing in plain English if he's explaining why things are going wrong or not working. Uh, and I sent that all to him to check uh, and so on. Mm. Um, so formatting myself that way. But with the picture book, what I did was I actually just, once I worked out the storyboard thing and the fact I realized I needed those 32 pages, I, I created a 32-page Word document. Mm. I then kind of roughly put on it I, yes, I want the text there, and that's the image to go with it. And then I set, I, I then sent that all to Doug. I didn't try using a template or anything because I knew he would know how to do it, and he kind of did that all for me. Uh, and he's used to working with both CreateSpace and Lightning Source. Mm. Um, yeah. So, but what, what, but what's good about using Word uh, in that planning, by the way, this is on my blog, is that once you've got your storyboard clear, you can actually put it all onto a Word document, and then again, if you want to get a last minute bird's eye view, which I did before I sent it to Doug, you can then reduce your Word document to 10% or 25%, so you then see all the pages. I mean, I have a, here I have a large iMac with a 27-inch screen, so that's fantastic, you know, you can just see it all mapped out, but, you know, um, but that's how I briefed uh, the, the, the design, I suppose, for the interior. Fantastic. And, okay, so we've talked pretty much you distribute your books through Amazon and any other way? And oh, yeah. No, so my all of my books I have, what I do is for the US, and I, I use CreateSpace for Amazon uh, US, Amazon.com. I use Lightning Source uh, UK for everything else, and then they extend, they, I, they, I also use them for overseas. So, um, and the reason I use Lightning Source in the UK is so that two things. One is I can order in short runs of my own books to take to school events or to, to sell on consignment locally. And indeed, I've supplied party bags uh, as well. They're great because you can, someone rang me up and said, I need party bags. I want to buy Eat the Alien for my, my children's, my, my son's seventh birthday. I said, well, where do you live? I've got some in the hall. And she said, well, I live in Cumbria. <laughs> I said, oh. And she said, and I need them on Sunday. This was Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, to cut a long story short, I rang Lightning Source and they were able to deliver her 18 copies a week and she got them on the Friday at noon. She emailed me to say they've arrived and it was fantastic. <laughs> now, I couldn't have done that if I was using CreateSpace. So I distribute for that reason um, because I'm, you know, print is important to me. Mm. Uh, and uh, But, the, you know, the, the cost, the, the, the royalties all work out fairly similar. But... Um, mm. Yeah, well, I'm just just uh, for for the listeners, I do use CreateSpace in the UK, and what I did is because I'm uh, I I joined Amazon Prime, because you get free shipping to anywhere, oh, and yes. then I buy my own copies from Amazon.co.uk, and then of course I get money back because they count as sales, and because I get free shipping and some money back, it works out about the same. Oh, so, that's a good tip. Yeah, well, let's so investigate go. that. Amazon Prime. They do they do they ship from? The states or from no, the they ship from the UK. And yes, with Amazon, Lightning Source probably prints them, don't Exactly. They? And what's so funny is because of Amazon Prime, you get next day shipping. I can order them now and get them tomorrow. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll have to. I'll have to. Yeah, I'll have, have a look at that. that. I missed that. Have you blogged about that somewhere? No, I haven't. I just, you know, I found when I use Prime, it's just amazing. So, yeah. yeah I, no, no, no. I've done trial runs on it and then, yeah. um, you know, but I haven't. Yeah. 
There yeah. you go. There's, we we all have these little things, don't we? These little tricks that we kind of discover over time. Uh, uh, but let's get back to you. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about. So you mentioned there, this woman phoned you up and said, "Can I have party bags?" How did she find you? Do you know, I've no idea. I think I'm guessing she. I think she must have googled books for boys or something like that. And because Eek. Uh, is a very good book for boys and reluctant readers. I wrote it because my then ten-year-old wouldn't wouldn't would never read. He was too busy playing football. Um, it has been picked out by uh, the Love Reading for Kids website and, and for their reluctant readers list, which and that's curated by Julia Eccleshare, who's the, what the, the children's book editor at the Guardian. So it's got some good, you know, and that's got mentioned in several places. So I can only think that she was googling and must have come across my website. Uh, right. um, so, 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 but take a step back. How did that happen? Do you spend a lot of time networking with other children's authors? How did you appear on those lists? Right. So, first of all, I have for each of my books a website. That was my early approach. I've now also got an author website um, for me, where all the books are consolidated, and I will eventually sort of bring them all under the one hat. So, I do have a web presence always have had and that for me was my calling card originally for people to start to find me and I used that when I, I contacted local bookshops and Waterstones because I was right from the word go very keen to sell uh, lots of print books I mean I've sold a lot on Kindle I've sold more on Kindle but but in the early days Kindle and children's books didn't mm. exist really um, so a having having those websites B um, then going and, and striking up relationships with those those uh, bookshops because they wanted to see me, um, and the, and I've since now done ten signings in Waterstones across Southwest London. And in fact, they contacted me two days ago, and they said, "Will you come and do an event in Kingston, oh, uh, Waterstones, okay. at half term in February?" And that's one of the biggest sort of uh, footfall in, in the Southwest London. So that's absolutely fantastic. Um, so so that's how I sort of get out into the real world mm. but in terms of the virtual world which is probably what you were asking about more I have my Twitter account as you know Karen Inglis which is really all about writing and publishing for each of my books I actually have a Twitter account as well which I don't I, I have tried very hard to go on there and spend time tweeting about generally children's books or anything to do with parenting and literacy I try and do that but finding the time is actually quite hard but what I do do is I will, if I've got something to say or people have reviewed the books, I will post a tweet and use the hashtag children's books, kids books, kidlit. And I've decided that I'm not going to beat myself up too much about this, but those particular Twitter accounts are going to be more about promoting my books at specific times when I might have a sale going on or something, I've got a good review or, or that kind of thing. And that, yes, I have followers there, but I'm sort of really targeting the people on the hashtag list who might be looking under children's books on Twitter. Yeah, no. yeah I don't know whether that makes sense. I do also, but not as much as I like, I've spent time find, looking for children's book bloggers. Mm -hmm. And that has paid off, but it's very long tail. And what I'll do is occasionally, if I come across a blog where someone's blogging about children's books and I think that feels the right kind of blog for me, I will usually send an email just to say, look, I've been looking at your blog. I think it's fantastic. You might, you know, would you potentially be interested in reviewing The Secret Lake or Eek or whichever one it is? And then I've left it. And usually what will happen is about a month later or a lot longer later, I'll get a reply either saying, 
yeah, we're usually saying, yes, we will, I would like, by all means send it, I can't promise when I'll do it. And then maybe three or four months later, I'll get an email saying, I've just reviewed your book. And that, in fact, I've had two come up just before Christmas, really, really good book bloggers, oh, wrote fantastic reviews of it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's quite hard work and, and um, long-term, you know, long-term marketing, I'd say. But it's sort of, I just sort of plug away in the background. And I think it's one of those things, people will find your book, you know, it's now selling. I've sold, I mean, just to give you an idea, I've sold, I mean, again, this is children's books, remember, <laughs> don't get too excited. So the Secret Lake in print, I've sold uh, over about 2,200 and almost 3,000 on Kindle. Now, and that's since you know, in the last two years. Now, again, that doesn't sound a lot to you, but I think for, for a middle-aged children's author, published or self-published or not, mm. that's pretty good going. And in fact, I've had few people say, you know, in the industry saying, well, you ought to be going after the, the main publishers to see whether they could help you take the print book further. And that might be something I might do with The Secret Lake at some stage, but I just haven't had time. I'm too busy working on the next thing. Yeah. So I've now gone off topic. That's all right. So um, talking about schools, you mentioned earlier about going into schools. How, yeah. do, how do you get those school visits? Right. So what I do is, again, having the website is fantastic. Uh, then, of course, the website led to lots of very good reviews. I think I've got 35 reviews on Amazon UK and 14 for Eagle, very, very good reviews. So I've got that kind of stuff to refer to. So I'll contact local schools, um, tell them a little bit about me in the email, give a link to my website. And now as time's gone on and I've done more, I've now actually got um, A5, A4 sheets, which each has a summary of the book on them and little um, I paste in the front cover in the case of the interiors I can paste in quotes from from reviews and things and attach all that kind of thing so I'll make the contact I'll make a phone call first of all to find out who the first right person to talk to is Uh, then I'll send the email and then one thing leads to another and and then I talk to someone and and a date gets set up Uh, so yeah that's how it works. That is great and I've um, interviewed other children's authors and all of them have said that going into schools is one of the best ways Oh, definitely. I mean, you can sell a hundred books just in the visit, you know. And, and, okay, yeah. so how do you do that? Do you take a hundred books or you have like postcards or how do you do that? Right. So, so in, in my, in the early, I'm just trying to think now, the, the first few times I did it, I think I took potluck and I just kind of took in the car because being with lightning source, I can order them in and have them here. And I just took in a rough number I thought I might sell and was usually kind of about right. I'm a bit more organised now in that what I often do is I will um, say to them, look, if you want me to pre-sign them mm-hmm. before I come in and dedicate them to the children, it's more efficient because what I would find is I would go in and you've got 75 children all queuing up for you to sign the book for them and dedicate it to them. That takes up time. Now, it never caused an issue, but I just thought from the school's perspective, why don't I suggest this? So what I do is I, I just say, well, look, if you can send slips home, and by the way, I actually send them a form with a slip that they could, to make it as easy as possible. They can use it or not use it. It's up to them. Uh, And I said, if you can return names to me uh, 48 hours before I'm coming, I can pre-sign all the books. So I then, and and also I realized I needed to know roughly for orders because I need to know how many to order in from Lightning Source. I don't like to have too many stock Mm. at any time. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, and then how are they paying for that? Do kids don't take bring the money to school? or Two ways. It just depends on the school. Sometimes the school is very efficient, collects all the money in, uh, and then they just pay me. Uh, 
uh, or other times um, the children do bring in cash and the school collate it all and give it to me. In the early days when I went in, the kids were coming up to the desk and just giving me their fiver or whatever. It just depends on the school, to be honest. Um, and one school, every book, they gave me an individual check for each one, which didn't go down very well with the bank, the Santander <laughs> appointed. But, but uh, you know, you learn from, you know, every time you go, you learn, mm. next time I'll be, I'll say this to try and make that more efficient mm. kind of thing. And you also mentioned Waterstone, because I mean, this is so interesting for me, because I don't do any of this physical yeah, no, no, stuff, no, no. really. Yeah. But in Waterstone, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in Waterstones, are they ordering directly from CreateSpace, or how, are, how is an established bookshop selling your book? Yeah, right. I have, um, it's, it's not CreateSpace, it's through light, Lightning Source. Um, supplies Gardener's Books, which is one of the main UK wholesalers, um, and also Bertram's and the other UK wholesalers. And people like Waterstones buy from those wholesalers. So that's the first thing. Second thing to know is that if you're self-published and so you're doing print on demand, um, you, you're, if you're with Lightning Source, Gardener's could order your book in. So if someone walked into Waterstones and said, I want The Secret Lake, but but that you don't have it. They would look on their systems and they could see that they could get it through gardeners. But what they would see is that gardeners didn't have any stock, that it's print on demand. And so actually it's a very long ordering process. Now I was lucky because I am, I'm probably a bit like you. I mean, if I've got something I want to get done, I just do it. And I, I managed to persuade, to ring gardeners up and persuade them on the back of, I can't remember what, one of my first book signings or something, that, look, I can sell decent amounts of books. Will you please stock The Secret Lake? And so actually, to cut a long story short, gardeners do stock my books, which is unusual for a uh, self-published author. Now, in the early days, they stocked them, and in fact, until quite recently, on a no-return basis. I would just ring them up when I could see their stocks were getting low, and they would top up from Lightning Source. When I introduced Ferdinand Fox's Big Sleep, because I went a whole different route and had to have them printed up front, the gloss finish, um, I ended up talking to somebody else, and unfortunately, that meant my books now, I have to, I still supply to them via uh, Lightning Source, so the secret they can eat, I supply via Lightning Source, but direct to gardeners as an order from Well Said. So they stock them um, from me and they take a slightly higher discount than they did before, but I still make a decent return yeah and well said is your publishing company yes yeah i'm have well said limited i'm a, a is has been my writing consultancy for many many years mm -hmm. and then i've created an imprint called well said press which is uh, all of my children's books mm, fantastic no this is brilliant now um i wanted to briefly ask because we, we this is a great interview it's getting a bit long though so oh no, 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 i'm sorry <laughs> no no it's great so you've turned fernan and fox into an ipad app which yes. is awesome can you briefly tell us why you did that and what the process was Right, okay, and, and remind me to tell you something quite exciting to tell you about that at the end, uh, about a new venture that's approached me. Um, it was a, again, it was a bit of an accident really. I had decided, uh, with as I'd done with my other books, which I've turned into, into Kindle, I wanted to turn, uh, I wanted to look at seeing whether I could turn my picture book into an e-book uh, for Kindle Fire. And uh, the more, the, the it became evident very quickly it was all going to be too complicated and too expensive. I, I couldn't possibly have done it myself when I tried to get quotes 
uh, they were going to be horrendous, horrendous and actually with an unknown quantity thrown in. So I thought, forget that. What, how can I do it myself for free? So I started looking at iBook Author, which is free software that you can use to create an app, because I have an iMac, uh, um, uh, for the Apple Store. Uh, and again, it's one of those things where it purports to be terribly straightforward, but if you're not very technical, it's not. I'm, I'm not I can do limited HTML and all that stuff. And, and also, it wasn't really set up for picture books, because it was wanting me to put a, an index in and things like that. And I thought, well, I'm not, I don't need an you know. Now, it might have moved on since then, to be fair. Anyway, it was actually a very good friend of mine, Bridget, who said to me, well, why don't you turn it into a book app? And I thought, book app? What's a book app? I'm not sure I know what a book app is. So, of course, I went off and did the research because I, I had never really been in the app store until then. And I found all these book apps. And I thought, ooh, I do, could just see Ferdinand doing this. And actually, I think I could do a really nice educational book app that really is like a book. Because my, my site, my one concern about a lot of the book apps was they actually a little bit like putting your child in front of a mini TV program in a way they weren't really books they're sort of entertainment if you like and I thought it sort of raised a check in my mind that was a challenge I thought actually I'd like to show someone that you could do a really gentle picture book app that as a parent you could share with your child as you would a print book but with added interactivity and learning built in so I just got this bee in my bonnet really that's how I came to do it mm -hmm. um, then of course is well how do I do it and uh, so I thought, well, you know, I've obviously got all the pictures and I've got the text and I have a very clear idea in my mind as to how that can then be used for interaction. Because to, to tell you a little bit about me, way back when I used to teach English as a foreign language and I was director of studies in a language school and did a lot of syllabus design. So it's sort of teaching and language comes to me quite naturally in a way. And I could see how that my book could be enhanced to help with pre-reading skills, I suppose, and word recognition. Um, so I had all that, but what I didn't have was how to code it. So I thought, well, look, I'm, I'm a bit of an entrepreneur like you, but obviously on a slightly different scale, slightly smaller scale. I just thought I'm prepared to put some money into this. I don't, in a way, I don't mind if I don't get my money back. I just want to do it. Mm. Um, so I started researching online and I discovered you know, that the cost, and I, I knew this actually from the London Book Fair, typically book apps cost thousands and thousands of pounds, tens of thousands of pounds to create, and I knew I didn't have that. So um, I went to elance.com, and I just put, posted up there and just said, look, I'm a children's author, here's my picture book, you can look inside it on, on Amazon, I'd like to create a book out, are there any developers there, I have a very small budget, I don't know if I can afford this, but um, you know, if you're interested, contact me. And amongst a number of uh, offers and bids I got, I had two people in the UK separately contact me saying, look, actually, we would do it for you for nothing because we want to get the experience coding and add to our portfolio. Uh, you know, because there are a lot of people out there in, in the developer world who are, it's a bit like us with our self-publishing, it's a new industry, there's new things coming along and they're wanting to make a name for themselves. So they're willing to just do all the work themselves, if you like. And so I, I went with one of these developers, but I did end up paying him in the end because we spent so many hours and days and it was it was spread out over a number of months. We weren't working all the time. He was busy, I was busy, but it was a lot, a lot of work. And in the end I said, look, I'm going to pay you. Um, and I was happy to do that and it was a fair price you know, you know, it wasn't a small amount, but it wasn't a huge amount. Um, and I think, you know, everybody's happy as a result. Uh, because I'm, you know, I think I 
helped him create some code that he can now reuse for other books. Mm. Uh, and um, you'll find a link to him on my website, by the way, um, East Yorkshire. I'm trying to remember what it's called. EastYorkshireApps.com, I think is what it's called. But I'll go to my website and have a look. Fantastic. Um, so how, how is the app doing? Um, actually, um, it, it's early marketing days because, uh, to me, the whole world of apps is a whole new thing. And you may or may not know, but most people just expect to have apps for nothing, for free. Okay, So I decided, I, I met a couple of people at the London Book Fair who were sort of in the industry and was talking to them about, I showed them the prototype and said, but this is what I'm doing. What do you reckon at launch? Should I make it free? Should I do this? And, and they said, you know, I would suggest making it free to start with so that you can try and get some reviews in there. So I made it free for the first uh, couple of weeks. And it got about 1,500 downloads. I think I might have already blogged about that. Um, and now it's got, when it, when it went to sales, of course, it dropped right down, you know, to, you know, one or two a day. And um, I'm a member of something called, by the way, the Book App Alliance, which is worth looking up. Um, they are, they're based in the States, but it's a global alliance. It's very young. It's, it reminds me a little bit of the Alliance of Independent Authors. They're there to try and raise awareness of what book apps are and what quality book book apps uh, are and should be and it was through the, the book app alliance that all the you know the problem with doing free is it drops right down mm -hmm. afterwards and I said well I know that but I kind of expected that would happen but I suspect that there are just armies of people out there as there are on Kindles who just take anything that's going for free and and I'm now after the people who will pay so I've sold I had my first royalty check the other day for £27 Yay! and I was so excited and it's selling anywhere between one and five a day. Mm. And but the fantastic thing is, it's now at the moment as we speak. And I'm hoping it will stay there for a It's featured in the What's Hot um, apps in the uh, App Store on on you know, which is a big deal to yeah, yeah. discoverability. But it is a real uh, it's a real challenge uh, because the App Store. Uh, is very unbrowsable, uh, you know, to look for books. And, and but what they have done is they've created something called the kids category. And my app qualifies for that. And to qualify, there must be um, no no ads in it. And it has to have safety built into it so that um, any in-app purchases, of which mine has none, but if there are any, they have to be hidden behind a parental gate to stop young children spending money and that kind of thing. Um, but the kids category at the moment only has a very, very small number of apps in it and they're, and they're not saying how they're selecting them. So unfortunately, from a discoverability point of view, if I were a parent going to the app store and I saw kids category, I would go straight there. And that means I'm really only going to find the apps that are there. So in terms of getting people to know about Ferdinand Fox at the moment. It's fantastic that it's featured in the books section of the app store, but it's not in the kids section, if you see what I mean, even though it's surrounded in where it is by lots of kids stuff. But it does mean that I have to rely on social media, social media marketing, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm doing interviews I'm slowly and I'm, I'm going to be blogging a lot more about that whole app side of things uh, in the next few months and I just think organically people can find it I think when people find the app they'll they'll really like it and it'll sell or it won't sell um, but you know it's part of my portfolio <laughs> yeah 
yeah, part of your body of work, which is awesome. And you said there was something exciting you wanted to share. Oh, yes, yes. So this is it. So, you know, I did that big blog post on um, uh, how I created the children's book app. Now, that's received a lot of traffic, a lot of interest. And I was contacted recently by uh, a company in California that's a very big sort of serious startup. Um, it reminded me a little bit of when you said, I think you did something with Kobo or when Kobo was setting up. Uh, anyway, it's called authorly.com. Uh, and they are in beta at the moment, but they're basically creating something which when I was doing all the development for Ferdinand Fox's app, I thought, I wish there was one of these, I wish there was one of these. And what they're doing is they're creating a, a website where authors will be able to, um, for, for a monthly fee, be able to use the site to upload assets, by which I mean your your digital, your, your illustrations, your voice files, your text and what have you. And use sort of drag and drop software in effect to create children's book apps and not only that so you don't have to worry about all the coding um, not only that but also um, they will then the way they're doing it is they will then publish not just to one platform it will publish to Kindle Android um, and Apple oh, brilliant um, because at the moment I'm only Apple now it's in beta and I think it's got a way to go uh, and so some of the features they can currently offer aren't as sophisticated as I have on my app. But the fantastic thing is that they've they're using my app now to create uh, to show me what they can do with it basically. And their developers are doing it all rather than me having to do it. Um, and so I'm hoping to, you know, they, they want to use it to showcase what they can do. So it's an exciting you know, for me that's an exciting thing. And that's all about organically, you know, growing awareness of my product and uh, apart from anything fantastic wow karen you are a fountain of knowledge you really are <laughs> <laughs> we, we could talk all day but yeah. your um your site has loads of amazing information so tell people where they can find you and your books online okay well you can find my obviously you can find my books on amazon just by type, uh, putting my name in karen inglis uh the secret lake uh, and what have you i have I have two sites. I have KarenInglis.com, also SelfPublishingAdventures.com, and that's where I talk about my my writing and self-publishing, and you'll find my books that way. I also have KarenInglisAuthor.com, which is what which which is relatively new and is aimed at my readers. You know, we were talking earlier about targeting children, and and so I'm hoping that over time that will become to be the site where my readers will come to. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, Karen. That was amazing. Okay. All right, well, listen, uh, um, Joe, hope it's okay. <laughs> again. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcasts. You can also get your free author 2.0 blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at thecreativepen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.